Can Christ still do the miraculous? Can there still be miracles? Can chains still be broken? Can identities still be restored? Can communities be transformed? C.S. Lewis, he said, there's two equal and opposite uh, errors into which our race can fall into when it comes to devils. He said, one is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe, but to glamorize and to have an unhealthy interest in them. In both errors, they are pleased with them. When we start talking about the spiritual realm, when we start talking about things like impure spirits, we tend to fall into kind of two different camps. We tend to kind of go in the one camp that says, you know what, that was then, this is now. We need to be able, if we can't explain it by logic or reason or attach some name to it, we don't really need to kind of talk about it. Leave that kind of spiritual realm over there. And there's another camp that says, oh, we're finally talking about it. Here we go. Let's get into it now. Let's just talk about it so much that that's all we ever talk about. Let's look for demons and devils underneath every single rock. And in that, we start to kind of even look and say, like, whichever camp, when we say, well, what, what does it even look like to, to have an impure spirit, to be spiritually oppressed? Do, do you have to look like something like out of a movie like The Exorcist or, or a television show like The Walking Dead? Or, or do you have to just kind of like, do you have to like walk around the streets in tattered clothes and talk to yourself? Is that, I mean, is that it? Is that what it means then to, to kind of be spiritually oppressed? And, and the thing is, is, we start to look at it and we just start to wonder what is actually going on. What was happening with the garrison man is he was in bondage. He was being held back from fully realizing who God had made him to be. He was in bondage. Scholar James Edwards, he said that this was one of the most lamentable stories of human wretchedness in the Bible. And what was most lamentable is not the fact that we have this graphic description of this person as we read in it. What was most lamentable is the fact that this man lost his humanity. He lost his personhood. He lost the very essence of how God made him to be. He lost the imago Dei. Genesis says, so let us create man in his own image, in our image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God created us to be in relationship and in harmony with him and with each other. And what we find in this story is just the opposite. 
the bondage and the barriers, the oppression that this person was underneath, ruined, wrecked, destroyed who he was. That was then. And it's still happening now. There are people still today who are in bondage, who are being held back, oppressed from fully realizing who God made them to be. And the thing is, when we talk about that, it's not just it's not just people outside of these walls. Okay? It's people inside. Right here. Right now. People being held back from fully realizing the very essence of how God made you to be. He didn't make you to be a slave to sin. He made you to be a child of God. So what do we know about this man? What do we know about, as we kind of dive into this passage, what do we know? We know a few different things. We know, for one, he is a Gentile. He's not a Jew. He is a Gentile. We get this from the area in which he's kind of hanging out in. Some scholars put this in El Kursi area, just kind of on the other side of this, kind of like the hill and the lake. We know he's a Gentile. How, how else do we know that? Well, we know because of the businesses that are kind of going around here. This, a lot of the townspeople were involved in the pig business. Not exactly a Jewish business. <laughs> They're in the pig business. 2,000 pigs off a cliff. That was a lot of bacon. Not just the pig business that they're in, but it's also the way in which that man, the spirits, addressed Christ. The way in which they actually called him the most high God, that was not exactly a Jewish kind of address. That was the way in which Gentiles or people who are non-Jewish or in a Gentile context would address and talk about the Jewish God. So even in the way in which they're kind of talking to Christ, they're acknowledging we're Gentiles and this is how we talk to you. So he's a Gentile. What else do we know? We know that this man is just not himself. He's just not himself. There's something off about him. The Talmud said that there's four ways, there's four tests in which you can kind of look at to see if you are considered categorically mad. To be considered categorically mad, you had to do four things. You had to spend the night in a grave. You had to tear one's clothes. You had to walk around at night. You had to destroy anything given. Now, I know that destroy, that describes people after they've watched their favorite sports team lose. But here's the thing. It also describes this garrison man. He's categorically mad. He's done all those things. He's hanging out in the tombs. He's tearing his clothes. He's destroying anything that's given. He has no peace. He's walking around at night. The other thing we know about this man 
He's in bondage. He's in bondage. Now we can talk about bondages and different barriers that are kind of happening in life. We can talk about bondage and barriers today. We can say like, well, there's the bondage and barriers in which a person just willfully chooses to disobey God. There's just the willful disobedience. God says to do this and I will choose differently. That is a barrier that a person is held under, willfully just choosing. I'm not gonna follow God's ways. There's another type of barrier which we can call, we can call the barrier and bondage of, of addiction. Gerald May says addiction is any compulsive habitual behavior that limits the freedom of human desire. Any compulsive habitual behavior that limits the freedom of desire. That's a barrier. It gets in the way. Another barrier bondage we can talk about is the fact that there's environmental and cultural barriers. There are barriers and things that get in the way from people realizing who they truly are in Christ because of upbringing, environment, culture, things that are just basically holding people back from fully realizing that. That's a barrier. Now, the text says he's in bondage. It doesn't list any of those three, but what it does tell us is that he's in spiritual oppression, spiritual bondage. Ephesians tells us that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the spiritual forces of the heavenly realms. That slew of spirits that have latched on to this man, it's oppressing him. It's getting in the way. And it's true that that can even happen with the other three kind of things they were talking about earlier. Impure spirits can latch on to willful disobedience, environment, culture, addictions. But this man is in bondage, destroying the very nature and humanity of who he is. Happened to him, happens still today. And doesn't just happen to individuals. You know what? It actually happens to communities as well. I mean, did you notice in the text, the spirits, the impure spirits said, okay, fine, you can cast us out of this guy, but don't let us leave this area. Let us stick around this area. Let us wreak havoc some more in this area. Sure, we'll get out of this guy, but no, we'll take the community. Look at Marion. No, seriously, I want us to stop and think about this. Look at Marion. Look at our community. There's a spiritual atmosphere and climate that is holding people back, that's holding the community back from fully realizing what it could be. Spiritual atmosphere that's wreaking havoc in relationships, that's causing things like lust, racism, anger, hate, violence to be the, to be the norm instead of the not. Sure, we can say there's things like disobedience. We can say all those different barriers, but I'm sorry, but there's also a, the oppression that's happening 
in that. And it's not just allowing people to not realize who they are in Christ, not realizing their full Imago Dei, not realizing their humanity, but it's also preventing people from seeing the Imago Dei in them. Preventing people from seeing who other people are in God. That's bondage. That's oppression. That's impure spirits latching on and wreaking havoc in people's lives and in our community. So it's not just something that happened then. It's happening now. So what are the ramifications then? So what are the ramifications of something like this happening? Somebody having this kind of in their life. As we look at the text, we look at the garrison man, this happened. He was excluded. He was excluded from the community. I mean, if you look at the text, he's not exactly winning citizenship awards with his behavior. I mean, he's, they can't contain him. They can't bind him up. They don't know what to do with this guy. So what do they do? They say, see you later. We're going to just kick you right out. Go hang out in the tombs because we don't know what to do with you. He's excluded from the community. Now, I, I used to look at this passage, I used to kind of look at it through like um, the, the old Scooby-Doo cartoons, okay? Like I used to kind of look at this like with Scooby and Shaggy and the Mystery Machine and they're driving down some old deserted road and they kind of come across this like solitary, spooky house. And, you know, like there's this solitary person who's just kind of like just one person who's kind of wreaking havoc, you know, like, oh, you mangy kids, you're getting into this all again, right? That's kind of how I used to look at this text. This one person, all by themselves, wreaking havoc, excluded from the community. And the more I looked at this, I realized, it wasn't just that this person was excluded. It's, it's what they were included into. See, this person wasn't by themselves. They weren't all alone. They had a community. They had a community of impure spirits. They, they had a community. They had a community telling that they're worthless. You don't belong. A community that continued to allow them to look at themselves as with self-destructive behavior. A community that told them, don't try to see who you are in God. This is who you are. They had community. They had a distorted community. They had just the opposite kind that Christ is doing in his body of Christ. And it happens still today. People whose image has been so twisted and distorted that they look at themselves and they say, I don't belong there. I belong in this community that will continue to allow me to feel this lack of self-worth. So 
So can there still be a miracle? Can chains still be broken? Can identity still be restored? Can community still be transformed? Because I look at this guy and I look around, there's despair. I mean, this guy, I mean, do you see, I mean, night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and he would cut himself with stones. We can't just say, well, that was for that guy. No, you know what? I think there are still people sitting here right now in our community, sitting who are still held in pain and in torture and in agony. Whether as a result of spiritual oppression, whether the result of some outside thing that has happened to them, they're still held back from fully realizing they are a child of God. So I had a conversation with, with two different people on two different days. They, they, they didn't know that Right? So they didn't know that this meeting was happening. It wasn't like we're all in the same room having this conversation. Two different days. I, I met with uh, two people. They both work in, in, in with people who are seeking help. Uh, they're seeking healing. Um, they're, they're seeking just the, the restoration of their life. One, one, one is a clinical therapist, and the other is a person who works in, in prayer and deliverance ministry. So I had a conversation with both of these people, and it basically kind of got them to this point in the message. And I said, talk to me. Tell me, I know what you do. I know you encounter people who are walking through this. What, what, what do you do? What, what do I need to know and remember in all of this? And you know what they both said? This is beautiful. They both said the same exact thing. They both said, we cannot diminish we cannot diminish the power of Christ from bringing healing into people's lives. We can't, we need to talk more about it and the power of Christ, not less. Because Christ, they both said, Christ is who brings that restoration. Christ is who brings that. Augustine said, he said that we were made for peace. And until Christ gives us that peace, we will continue to live in that darkness. We will, for, we will continue to be held back until we know the power of Christ. Bondage, barriers, oppression will continue to weigh down upon us like a dump truck full of garbage upon our backs until we know the power and the hope that is Christ. 
It's what the garrison man found. It's what awaits us. J.R. Tolkien, he wrote the great literary work, Lord of the Rings. And there is this interaction inside the book, for those of you not familiar, between this, this, this person called King Theoden. He was one of the kings in the men's realm. And he's interacting with Gandalf, the white wizard, good guy, right? So we got good guy, King Theoden. And Theoden is kind of under the spiritual oppression of Saruman, bad guy, okay? And there's this interaction between Theoden and Gandalf. And what he says, what Gandalf says to him is he says, I bid you to come out before your doors and look abroad. Too long have you sat in shadows and trusted to twisted tales and crooked promptings. Too long have you sat in shadows and trusted to twisted tales and crooked promptings. For too long the garrison man trusted in twisted tales. For too long, people here today are trusting in twisted tales. Now is the time to come out from behind those doors and to see how and what God has for you. That, that's the miracle. When we talk about miracles, this whole series, we're talking about that's the miracle. The miracle is, it's, it's not just the whole fact of like what he did with the pigs and sent them there and the whole interaction. No, the miracle, the miracle is the fact that this person is now restored. The miracle is now that their identity has been found again. The miracle is that they were once lost and now they are saved. The miracle is that the, Christ looked at him and said, you're no longer a slave to sin. No, you are a child of God. The miracle is that they're no longer held in this bondage. They have been set free. That's the miracle. So when I ask the question, can, can, can Christ still do the miraculous? That's what I'm asking. Can he still set captives free? Can he still do with the, the garrison with people here today? Can Christ still do what only Christ can do? And the evidence of that it's the transformed life. It's the transformed life. Look, look at this difference. I think, look at the difference. Night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. That was before. The after, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed, and in his right mind. That's what we're talking about. That's the transformation. Before, after. Do you see it? Do you see the hope? Do you see the healing? Do you see the changed life? This is what only Christ can do. This is what only Christ can do. So what does that mean for us today then? What does that mean for us today? If we know that, if we know that happened to him and we're hearing it, what, what does it mean for us today? A few different things. One is this. Freedom 
is an option. Freedom is an option. Before this man encountered Christ, he was held. He was chained. He was not free. He was bound up. He encounters Christ. Christ sets him free. Freedom is now an option. The tomb no longer has victory. It's been destroyed. The oppression and the bondage of sin is no longer there. I mean, we, we sang this song, you rescue me so I can sing that I am a child of God. Freedom is an option. Christ said, therefore, Paul said about Christ, there, there, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So let's walk by the Spirit and choose life in Christ. Freedom is an option, so let us walk in the Spirit. Let us choose a path that we did not have the ability to choose beforehand. Light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. So freedom is an option. Second thing, what it looks like for us today, what the effect of this upon us today is this. Will we continue to be amazed and in awe of miracles, but not allow them to, be tra- to transform us? See, the townspeople, they were amazed at what was Jesus did. They were in awe. They were even afraid of what Christ did. But the text doesn't say that they were transformed. We can be amazed. We can be in awe. We can look at miracles and be like, wow, that was great. But I'm going to keep you at arm's length. We can be amazed and in awe of the kinds of things that Christ is doing in people's lives, of how he is actually setting the captives free, but we don't allow them to transform us. Told you one of the ramifications earlier of a person being in bondage is they're excluded from something. Will we allow it to transform us still? Which means, will we begin to include those that we once excluded? Will we include those that we are very comfortable with kind of keeping our arms laid and chaining up and saying, you can hang out over there in the tombs? And when Christ does the miraculous, do we just kind of sit there and go like, well, I don't know if you should still belong. Will we include those that we used to be afraid of? And will we exclude the things that Christ is saying to get rid of? Because Christ is more concerned with restoration of lives He's more concerned with the redemption and the restoration of humanity than he is about some business. He'll throw it off a cliff if he has to. Will we be amazed or will we be transformed? Will we be 
the body of Christ? Will we be the body of Christ? It's the third thing. There are too many people who are stuck in holes, who are plagued by attachments and demons that have not been shaken from their lives. There are too many people who need to see the hands and feet of Christ. Will we include them? Will we walk with them? Will we show them what Christ has done in our life? Last thing it means for us today is this. The Gerasene man had a testimony. Will we share ours? Will we share our testimony? You know, I used to, I got really frustrated with this text. I did because I was, I was reading through it and, and I was just like, Jesus, why did you not let this guy go with you? Did you, see it in the, did you see it in there? He says, Jesus, can I go with you? Jesus is like, nope. I was so frustrated. I was like, Jesus, why would you not let this guy go with you? You set him free. He, he's, he's identifying you as Lord. He wants to follow you. He's saying, can I, and you say, no, why? Why would you do that? The other thing was, Jesus in all the different miracles, he always told people, he said, don't tell them. Don't tell them what I just did. Go back and don't tell them. With this guy, he says, go there and tell them. We've got a testimony. Because discipleship, it requires there's not, no set process for discipleship. It requires so many things. It requires all of our testimonies. It requires all of us sharing and experiencing what Christ has done. We've got to share it. We've got to hear it. We've got to allow our lives to be transformed by it. And we've got to tell it to others so they themselves have it too. So can Christ still do the miraculous? Can Christ do what only Christ can do? Can chains be broken still? Can identities be restored? Can communities be transformed? I came across the story. Some of you might be familiar with it. But there's this guy who was walking down the street and he fell into a hole. The wall was so deep and the walls were so steep, he couldn't get out. He cried out for help. A doctor walked by. The man from the hole shot up. He said, doctor, can you help me? The doctor wrote out a prescription, threw it into the hole, and walked away. A minister walked by. The guy in the hole said, reverend, can you help me out? The reverend wrote out a prayer, threw it in the hole, and moved on. The guy in the hole saw his friend walk by. He said, hey, buddy, it's me. I'm in this hole. Can you help me out? The guy 
jumped into the hole. Guy who fell and said, what are you doing? Are you crazy? Now we're both in this hole. Guy said, yeah. But I've been down here before. And I know the way out. There are people who are in bondage who need to know the way out. You know the way out. Christ can still do the miraculous. Christ can still set the captives free. Christ can still break chains. Christ can still restore identities. Christ can still transform communities. He can do that.